Today at the downtown Bible study, we had an interesting study. And I thought, I'm going to share a few of those thoughts with you tonight. I thought, because it's, it, it's good, and I think it will help you. And um, I definitely you know, want Jay to listen real good. <laughs> I won't tell you why. It's not important. But there is, and you know it, a spiritual warfare going on. You understand that? Do you believe that? While we're in here, in these physical bodies, there is another world being lived at the same time ours is. It's just it's an invisible world that you cannot see here in the, with a natural eye. There's been times when God has opened the eyes of some of his children, and they have been able to see things that the rest of us nev- never see. But you and I are told in the Bible that the devil is real. Have you seen him? No, you say, well, I saw his wife. <laughs> no, 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 no. But the devil is real. Demons are real. Fallen ain't, they're real. They're as real as God is real. And there's things that God tells us in his word that we need to be aware of. But I want to kind of give you just a little bit of a background so that whenever I get to the key part that I want to talk to you about, hopefully you'll see it. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Remember, when Jesus Christ was here, he says, I do not do the things that I do by my own power. He says, everything that I do, I do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. They said, you're doing it by the power of Beelzebub. Now, Beelzebub was the devil. So they attributed all of his miraculous powers to the devil and not to God. Now, there is a problem. Their perspective was wrong. God says they're wrong. Now, here in the book of Matthew in chapter 26, I want you to notice, uh, look there in verse 52. Verse 52, as you know, Jesus was going to be arrested in the garden. Judas had betrayed him. Uh, Peter was going to save the day. Well, he pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Now, we know that Jesus put his ear back. Now, you know, why would I want to arrest a guy that can put a guy's ear back on his head? Something must be wrong with them. I mean, if he can do that. You know, they even got critical of Jesus because, hey, he goes by and he takes his tree and he curses a tree. I mean, what kind of a guy is this? Yes, but do you understand it withered? It withered. Whatever power he had, it was real. They saw it. And he walked on water, raised the dead. Did all of these things, but he says, I do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's something here. And he makes this statement as he talks to Peter. He says, Peter, put put up your sword. In verse 52, put up again thy sword into its place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest 
thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently, right now, this moment, give me more than 12 leagues of angels? You know, a league, according to the Roman definition of the word, could be anywhere from three to 6,000 military troops. I mean, and this is 12 of those. Do you know we're talking about over 70-something thousand? That's an awful lot of angels. We often hear that song, He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. But they're just talking about 10,000. How many angels are there? I don't know. But he says, I could ask right now my father and he could send me about 70-something thousand. He says, more than that. See what he says? More than 12 leagues of angels. But how then shall the scripture be fulfilled that thus it must be? In other words, there's things that the scripture says must happen. And Jesus couldn't do anything that would violate the fulfillment of any scripture. I like that. It means that he must know how he must die. True. He knows how he has to die. He knows what is going to lead up to it. And everything that he did, it was about the fulfillment of Scripture. So, um, who were these 12 leagues of angels? Now, you and I, as we know, have never seen an angel. Except me. No. But there are angels that you cannot see. And he says, I can ask now, presently. Now, if he has all these angels, what does he need them for? He even talks about his armies that he's going to be bringing with him and so on. So there is an awful lot of things behind the scenes that you and I can't see. But I think there's some things that we can understand. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation and chapter 12. Revelation and chapter 12. I want you, along with myself, to understand a little bit more about how prayer works. Prayer is piercing that invisible wall. That prayer that you and I pray to the Lord. It has to be heard by the invisible world. God is a spirit, must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. We're praying beyond this veil. We are not limited to what we see or hear or the physical abilities or talents you and I have. We're not limited to that. There is a lot we could avail ourselves of if we only chose to do so. I um, mentioned this before, but let me just mention to it again. All right? I'm one person. I could say, okay, I am going to play the piano. And I'm going to lead the singing. And I'm going to play the guitar. And while I'm doing all of this, I want to run the soundboard. And while I'm doing all of this, I want to direct the choir. 
And then while I'm doing that, I want to sing in the choir too. And I also want to be the usher, you know, that takes up all the money. Have you noticed all the people that take up money get new cars? No, they don't. It's just I want to take up the money. I want to make the deposit. I want to write the checks. I want to be the one that cleans the church. You say, you can have it. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just joking. I want to clean the church. So I want to be the janitor. I want to cut the grass. I want to edit all the programs that goes on the radio. You know, if I was to make a list of all the various things that's done, in, I want to keep the nursery. Not really. They have everything but the nursery. So I could go through a list of all the things that are done and say, I want to do them. How long do you think I'd last? But wouldn't it be a shame if we had all these wonderful people to do all these different jobs and then I would try to do it all myself and nobody else gets to do anything? What in the world would I be thinking? Think for a moment. If this thing about angels is true, if this thing about prayer does avail much, the scriptures tell us that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Isn't that found somewhere in the Bible? James chapter 5, very good. So it's in the Bible. And it gives us illustrations about somebody in the Old Testament who prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years or three and a half years. All kinds of stuff. It's a powerful book. The Bible gives us the idea that prayer works. Our problem is we don't know how it works, so therefore we don't do much of it. We just think about things, and we may just pray a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I'm talking about taking it seriously. Do you really believe that when you pray and you talk to God, something's going to happen? We're supposed to believe that. So there's somebody on the other side listening to our prayer and is supposed to execute some kind of a response to what we've asked for. Let our requests be made known unto God. So there's a spiritual war that goes on. Now notice this. Here in the book of Revelation in chapter 12, notice in verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, which was the nation of Israel. For to devour her child as soon as it was born... And that's why we had all those little babies murdered. You see, the devil was stabbing at one baby. And that's why all those other babies were killed. And a lot of things Satan doesn't know. That if God allowed him, though, he would intervene and keep the word of God from being fulfilled. That's why I believe there's certain things that God doesn't reveal to us. Lest we would try to change the course of events that are prophesied that has to be fulfilled. Interesting. But now notice what he says here in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. So we know there's two groups here. Michael has his angels, and the devil has his angels. 
the good and the bad. The good and the bad. So, um, which one would you believe God has for your benefit? There's good angels. But there's a war going on between these angels. And we would think that, well, the Lord's angels automatically win every time and there's no problem. We can't see really what's happening behind the scenes. And things that will happen that will affect our whole lives. But as I read the scriptures, it gets very interesting to me. Because I'm always trying to figure out something. Look what he says in verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. So we know who he is. Which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. And down in verse 10 he says, He is the accuser of our brethren. He's cast out. And he talks about how that a whole world has been deceived. So whether we like it or not, there's a good possibility that the devil and his angels have deceived us. Not just because we have an old sinful nature. That's what he uses. But we've been deceived. We don't see everything clearly. We get deceived by people. We try to figure out all their motives. And we let the devil put thoughts into our minds. Cause us to think the way we shouldn't think. And isn't it true that the Bible says, perfect love cast out fear? Perfect love cast out fear. And that the Lord tells in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, He said, the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. I think a lot of Christians do not have a sound mind. And that they are governed by a lot of fear. But where did this fear come from? It didn't come from God. Fear doesn't come from God. Love, perfect love, casts out fear. It's when we're questioning whether or not do I really love him and does he really love me. If you ever settle that, you'll settle 95% probably of all your problems. Because you will question. What do you think is the main goal of the devil? To get you to question God's love for you. Because if he doesn't provide for you the way you think, ah, see there, he don't care about you. He didn't forgot all about you. You're on your own. He doesn't love you. And you'd be surprised at all the questions and doubts you can have. Now, do you think that that just comes from you normally? Well, you have an old sinful nature. That's true. But the Bible says that the devil deceives the whole world. Now, he may not do it himself, but he has, I guess you would call it like a chain of command. Of those that are in authority. Take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of Daniel chapter 10. The book of Daniel in chapter 10. Now you wouldn't think that there was a problem back there in Daniel's time with, you know, things like dealing with angels. I mean, he was just a good man. And uh, yeah, he had a, you know, an incident with some lions at one time. But nothing real serious. But Daniel in chapter 10. Look there in verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true. 
but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Three full weeks he mourned. And the Bible tells us that he had prayed and talked to the Lord and searched his heart, seeking for the will of God. And it seems like, well, I guess God must not have heard him. Uh, he must have took a vacation. So here in Daniel in chapter 10, you see in verse 7, he says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves and left him all alone. But he got to see something and hear something that was very interesting. Now, it's not as important at this point to try to figure out, you know, this man, because it looks like the man is the Lord. If you look there in verse 5 and so forth. But whether it is or not, that I, I haven't figured it all out. But there's something strange going on here. Because Daniel was given a vision. Daniel wanted to know the understanding of the vision. Daniel had somebody appear to him. And whenever it happened, he told him something that was really strange. Wonderfully strange. You see, look down there in verse 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Three weeks later. Now, Lord, can't you move faster than that? Now, I understand that there's, you know, different periods of time and different, different uh, dispensations. But understand just a little bit about the spiritual warfare that goes on behind the scenes. You'll notice what he says here in verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, three weeks. But lo, Michael, now I wonder who Michael is. Didn't we just read about Michael in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation? Michael and his angels. I believe it's the same one. This is Michael, the archangel. And look what he says. Michael, one of the chief princes. That means he wasn't the only one. He was one of others. And how many princes were there? I do not know. But he says, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now am I come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. So there's things that they know, things they can do, but battles they must fight. In other words, there has to be some kind, I guess you could call it, rules of engagement in the spiritual realm. Where when they fight, can they kill one another angels? I didn't figure that out yet. You're dead. <laughs> but there is a battle that goes on. And there have to be rules. God has to do everything right. The Satan wants to do everything that's wrong. But I do believe he has limitation in his power. 
Why would I think Satan is limited about some things that he can do and some things he can't do? And you'll read that in the book of um, Job, chapter 1 and chapter 2 in particular. Where he appears with the sons of God and uh, the Lord says, hey, where you been? He says, oh, just running up and down through the earth, seeking whom I may devour. And the Lord said, hey, have you ever considered my servant Job? And the devil said, what good would it do? You have him protected. You put a hedge about him, and I can't get at him. He said, but you take that hedge away, and he'll curse you to your face. The Lord is the one that sick the devil on him, on Job. The Lord did that. But the Lord wanted to show to the devil that there was somebody who loved him more than anything else in the world. And he says, no, nah, he doesn't love you more because, you see, he, you gave him all these things. Take all those things away from him, and he won't love you. So he lost ten kids in one day. Lost his crop. He lost his servants. He lost his wealth. He lost his cattle. How would you like to have all of that hit? And the Bible says, in all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. But it says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The devil lost. It wasn't long until you get to chapter 2. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, we're going to go through that again. He says, you let me get at his body. A man will do anything for his life. Let me get at his body. And so the Lord says, okay, you can get at his body, but you can't take his life. See, the devil has limitations that God puts upon him about what he can't do. And yet there's things that he may permit him to do. Did you know that every once in a while you and I might need to really be tested? Ugh. But you see, if he told you when he was going to test you, how he was going to test you would annul the reason for the testing. So he doesn't tell you anything. God doesn't tell you. Only that you know what God can do, what the devil can do, and you're to be aware of that and be found faithful. When it appears that God has totally failed you, you keep serving God. Now, did Job have anything happen to him? He struck his body with boils all over his body, and he sits there in an ash heap with broken pieces of pottery scraping himself. And his wonderful, loving wife, who bore him ten kids, says, Boxy, why don't you just curse God and die? Every man needs a woman standing right behind him. And still, Job would not sin against God. He maintained his integrity. Did you know your trust in the Lord is what integrity is about? Your character is revealed by how much confidence do you really have in what God says. Do you really want to know how strong you are? Kind of scary, huh? And sometimes we can't let our light shine unless God turns out all the other light. And when you see his hand moving for the light switch, 
I changed my mind. No, 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 no. No, don't do it. Don't, 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 don't. And you'd be surprised, like Moses had made the statement, I don't want to see how wicked I really am. I don't want to see how wicked I really am. We are afraid of truly being tested to the hilt because we're afraid of falling apart. We're afraid of saying and doing something to really ruin our testimony. So we pray that God put a hedge about me and protect me. Don't let that dirty bird get at me. Protect my wife and my kids. Because we don't, we don't want to find out. We want to be able to go through life totally protected. We want the Obama health care. From the cradle to the grave. So nothing happens. Everything's covered. I think we're in a heap of trouble. Now, take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians and chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is what he says in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, that means in the body, in this physical body, we do not war after the flesh. Get this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not guns and bullets and knives. We're not fighting that kind of a war. God says his war is a different kind of a war. It's a spiritual warfare. It's to try to capture the minds of an individual. And to capture the mind, you can't use force. You must do it with truth. If God captures your mind with truth, he's got you. And see, God wants to take, and this is your stronghold up here. This is why you do everything that you do. So we want something that can pull down all of those things that are against Christ out of your mind. So that you are surrendered mentally. Look what he says in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And you ought to underline that part. Mighty through God. If you're not strong in the Lord, you are not strong. If your prayer life isn't strong, you are not strong. No man can be greater than his prayer life. If you don't pray, you will not have the spiritual strength that you're supposed to have. 